Uh, let me pray for us real quick. God, thanks for the opportunity to gather here today, the freedom to do so, the opportunity to do so for our health and uh, for this uh, great rain that you've been giving us, the reminder of our dependence on you. I pray that we would be able to just ingest what you have for us today in a way that inspires us to live life to its absolute fullest. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1. And last week, uh, Dave Anderson gave that really amazing uh, video. I was there when he taped it. I was just, uh, my, I, I've, I've heard that multiple times now. I still just uh, have a hard time getting my arms around it. It's so amazing. And Dave pointed out in chapter 1 of Hebrews verse uh, let's see what, verse 4, <clears throat> that Jesus was given something better than the angels. What was He given that was better than the angels? What was Jesus given that was better than the angels in verse 4? A name. a name. Jesus was given a name that is better than the angels. And what name is it that Jesus was given that was better than the angels? Son. The name that Jesus was given that was better than the angels is the name Son. For to which of the angels did he ever say in verse 5, You are my Son. Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And last week, Dr. Anderson told you about this um, this uh, ancient custom where high kings would honor someone that had been loyal to them in their realm that was a sub-king by an adoption ceremony. And in the adoption ceremony, the high king would in public bring up this under-king and say to the under-king, "'You are my son.'" Today I have begotten you. I shall be to you a father, and you shall be to me a son. Of course, in ancient world and in tribal cultures all over the world, even today, the oldest son is the heir. And to be an heir or a firstborn um, brings with it a certain privilege. Anybody know what that privilege is? If you're in Jew- particularly, say, Jewish culture, the, the, the birthright. The birthright, the firstborn, birthright, all the same thing. What is it that the firstborn gets to do? What is it they get? What? They get inheritance. What is it that they inherit? They get a double portion. What is it? Yeah, they get to inherit being head of the family. That's the big thing. Because you didn't partition things up and split it out like we do today. Why would you not do that in the ancient world? Why would you not do that? Well, you, you might get fights. It ends up like Taos. It ends up like Taos. Taos, they divvied up the land, so everybody has a piece of land about this wide, you know. Okay. Yeah, you got little tiny parcels. It's not usable. And, and, and if you've got a grazing culture or a farming culture, if you break it up, then it doesn't work anymore, right? So you have this big family group. It requires everybody kind of all together to make it operate. That's how you stay alive in this culture. And so that's, that's, that's the part of being the inheritor. So 
Uh, we look in verse 4 here, chapter 1, and how was it that Jesus obtained this more excellent name? How was it Jesus obtained this more excellent name? By inheritance. Okay, by inheritance. So you've got really the full picture here of a patriarch handing down the ruling of the family to the son. You've got the picture of the high king that is over over all the realm giving to uh, someone else the... Uh, rule because of this adoption ceremony. Let's just flip over to Psalm 2 real quick. Psalm 2 is where this, you are my son, today I've begotten you is, is from. <clears throat> you know, there's a handful of words and concepts that once we get these down, Hebrews is going to be really easy to read for you and you're going to get it. You'll be able to sit down and read the whole book in about 15 minutes and just get it. And until that, it's really dense. Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? If you're familiar with the Handel's Messiah, that's one of the songs in Handel's Messiah. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Psalm 2. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold him in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you something. What is it that I will give you? If you ask me, the nations for what your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Let's just look at this word inheritance for a minute. The the word that's in chapter one of Hebrews here, he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name is. See if I can find it here. Well, I thought I wrote it down. You know, Brandon, Kelly, 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 yes. Yeah, starts with a K. The word does. Oh, here it is. K-L-E-R-O-N-O-M-E-O. How do you spell that? How do you say, how do you say that? Sorry. <laughs> Cleronomeo? Cleronomeo? <laughs> okay, so that thing, whatever that thing is. In the LXX, which is the Greek um, translation of the Old Testament, that word shows up a couple times. That makes it real instructive, I think. The first, the first one I want to uh, talk about is in Genesis 15. So flip over with me to Genesis 15, if you would. It's important we understand this word inheritance. Genesis 15, verse 3. This is Abraham. I'll start with one. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. 
your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless in the air of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is an heir, is my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but the one that comes from your own body shall be your heir. Same word, heir. Okay, so in this particular case, we have a, an inheritor that is basically just given. Okay, Did, Abraham's obviously going to do, be, have an involvement in this, as will Sarah. But the, basically, this is a gift from God. And sometimes this word inheritance is something that's just given. Uh, we're most familiar with the word inheritance that very way, aren't we? What, what, how do we usually use the word inheritance? How do you usually hear it? Something is handed down. Your, your parents earned it, and now they're giving it to you because you died, right? It's the only thing, yeah, because they died, yeah. The only thing you did to earn that was to outlive your parents. So, But then there's another way that this word is used in Genesis 22. Let's look at Genesis 22. This is after Abraham had offered Isaac in uh, obedience to God. And in, Je- in Genesis 22, verse 15, Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand on which is the seashore and your descendants shall possess. the gates of your enemies. This uh, possession, this blessing, is the same word. And the, 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 the idea here is, is one of possession. Um, the picture we're going to see in Hebrews as we, as we go through it is uh, one of that the children of Israel are offered the inheritance of the promised land. Uh, Now, that promised land was actually given when? When was the the land given? It was given to Abraham, Abraham, right? When when he chose the side that he wanted with Lot, and, and God says, okay, this is all yours. But Abraham never possessed it. And and the picture that we're going to get in Hebrews of this inheritance is the idea of possessing something, okay? Now, let's just think about the logic of that. Let's go back to Hebrews 1, verse 4, okay? So, Jesus got something by inheritance. Now, let's think about that. What all was Jesus lacking in possessions before this time? What, what was he waiting to possess? 
Jesus already has everything, right? He made the worlds. The worlds are made through him. Everything was made. But there was something else that he got. We'll talk more about that as we go along. But one thing that he got was this name. Son. It's a reward. It's not that Jesus was inadequate in some way. It was that he had not possessed something. And here he is possessing it. And we're going to see this picture over and over again in Hebrews. It's not that we're lacking anything. It's that we are offered the opportunity to possess something. And what we're offered the opportunity to possess is mind-boggling. And really the only thing standing our way is a false substitute that the world offers of something that is even undesirable and damaging to ourselves. So Jesus was offered this name above every name, and He got it by inheritance. Let's just look at the uh, instances in Hebrews of this word inheritance. It's uh, used all through the thing. Let's look at Hebrews 1, verse 4. First, we've already looked at this one. He has by inheritance gotten what in verse 4? A more excellent name. Okay, He's possessed it. Verse 14 of chapter 1. Speaking of angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Now, again, last week we talked about what salvation was, or two weeks ago, we talked about what salvation we were talking about here. And the particular salvation is a word that requires context. You can be saved from uh, drowning. You can be saved from, uh, you can have a baseball game that's saved from being lost. And in this particular context, the salvation that is to be possessed is what? What salvation are we yet to possess? Anybody remember? What is it? Glorification is one thing. The particular part of that that is in in mind here is the whole earth being put back in place as it was supposed to be in the first place. We'll, We'll talk about that more in a minute. Okay? But right now we're just looking at inheritance. Look at chapter 6, verse 12. Starting 11, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who with faith and patience inherit the promises. Okay, now are we waiting for the promises to be made to us? No. What is it remaining to be done? To possess the positive effect of the promises. And the way that we do that is acting on them by faith. Okay? Let's look at 9.15. And for this reason, He, Jesus, is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal 
inheritance, an eternal possession that is given through the mediation of Jesus by means of death. We'll talk about more, that more as we go. 11, verse 8, the hall of faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. It was already promised. It was actually a promise he never received in his lifetime, but his descendants are to possess the land. And it was a partially fulfilled, yet to be fulfilled completely. Chapter 12, verse 17. You know that afterward... Let me go back to, let me go back to uh, 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. His sonship. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he wanted to possess the benefits, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So here you have Esau, who had a possession. He was waiting to possess it. But while he was waiting, he got impatient and sold it for a bowl of stew. And the warning here is, don't be like that. Uh, Galatians 5.21 has this same idea, and uh, we'll just look at that real quick, because I just want you to show that this, to show you that this concept reverberates all throughout Scripture, and if, you, if we misunderstand it, we can get off way in the wrong ditch. 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Did I get the right? Did I get the right? Okay. All right. And then he goes through the works of the flesh and so forth. And then he says, and I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, those who practice such things will not... Inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, we can obviously walk in the flesh or we can walk in the Spirit. And whether we walk in the Spirit or not has nothing to do with whether we have the promises. What it has to do with is whether we're going to possess the benefits of those promises. Okay? It's the basic same idea. Jesus inherited a name. How did Jesus inherit that name? Well, let's go to chapter 2. Chapter 2, just in review, verse 1, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, because we're hearing it from the Son now, lest we drift away. We can drift away from those things we've heard from the Son. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, that is, the word of the Old Testament, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, transgressions in the Old Testament <coughs> received a reward appropriate for a transgression. How shall we escape if we neglect 
So great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him, God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Spirit according to His own will. So what, we, what salvation can we neglect? For He has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you're mindful of them? This is Psalm 8. Or the son of man that you take care of him. You've made him a little lower than the angels, but you've crowned him with glory and honor and have set over the works of your hands and put all things in subjection under his feet. And we looked at Psalm 8 and saw that the original design for us as humans with our father Adam was to rule the earth in perfect harmony with God, in perfect harmony with nature, and in perfect harmony with one another. That's what's supposed to be happening now. We're supposed to be riding dolphins and, and killer whales, not just in the sea world, but as an everyday occurrence. We're supposed to be talking to animals and enjoying animals, not just our golden retrievers, but all animals. Okay, That's the way it's supposed to be working. But then verse 8, he says, For in that he put all things under subjection to him, he left nothing that's not put under him. But now... We do not see all things put under Him. Because of the fall, because of the intervention of our enemy and the world system that our enemy is in charge of, who's now the prince of this world, still yet to be deposed physically, because of that, that isn't happening right now. You don't see world peace. You don't see harmony of people. You don't see harmony with nature. You don't see harmony with God. It's not happening. But we do see one thing in verse 9. What do we see? Jesus. Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. Jesus was made a man. Why? For the suffering of death. And because of the suffering of death, Jesus was crowned with glory and honor. What glory and honor? What glory and honor are we talking about here? What glory and honor is man supposed to be crowned with in verse 7, according to Psalm 8? To rule the earth. And Jesus has been crowned with the authority of ruling the earth. Remember what Psalm 2 said? Ask of me, and I will give what to you as an inheritance? All the nations. Jesus has started the path of restoration of all things through the suffering of death. It wasn't that Jesus was incomplete in any way, it wasn't that he lacked any possession. It was that through becoming a man and learning obedience even to death on the cross, Jesus was given a name above every name, Son. And Jesus was given an inheritance, all the nations. And he's restoring that which has been broken by sin and death. Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. 
We're supposed to be ruling the earth in perfect harmony. It's not happening because of death. Now, death is separation. If your car battery's dead, it's separated from the chemical reactions that make the electrical flow. When Adam fell, lots of death entered the world. There was separation between he and Eve. They weren't one anymore. There was separation between Adam and his work. It wasn't fulfilling anymore. There was separation between Eve and her relationship with others. It wasn't fulfilling as it was supposed to be. There was separation between her and her offspring. They murdered one another. There was separation between man and nature. Animals had to die that they might be covered up. And worst of all, there was separation between man and God because the men were hiding in the bushes because they were ashamed. And I think the worst one that came from that was man was separated from his own reality and rationalized his behavior. This woman who you gave to me, it's your fault and it's her fault. It can't be my fault. Death entered the world. But Jesus came to taste death for us. Why? So that we could be crowned with glory and honor. So we can't do this thing. Death has intervened. And there's nothing we can do about it. But we see Jesus. We don't see the world the way it's supposed to be right now. But we see Jesus. Verse 10, For it was fitting for Him, for who are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory. Who are these many sons? Who is it? Us. He wants to restore us to the place we're supposed to be in the first place. We talked about superheroes and princesses, kings, Harry Potter, whatever hero you want to put in play. These hero stories that we like so much. Iron Man, Spider-Man, Superman, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Snow White. They all appeal to this desire to reign over our realm. To be bigger than what we are. And to do something great. Well, that's what we're supposed to be doing. But it's not happening right now. Because of sin and death. So we don't see it happening, but we see Jesus. And Jesus has tasted death for all of us so that we can be restored. And He wants to bring many sons to glory. He wants to restore us back. Going on with uh, verse 10, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. What salvation are we talking about? Salvation from the effects of death in this world. And how did Jesus overcome death? How was Jesus perfected? How was it? How was Jesus perfected? What? Through sufferings. Now you're going to get the theme of this book for us. 
But before we go there, let's look at perfect or perfect. It's the Greek word T-E-L-E-I-S-A-I. Brandon, teleosai? Teleosai. Teleosai. I want to show you a couple of uses of this word that I think will help out because when, when you hear perfect or perfect, what do you usually think about? What do you normally think? Flawless. So if you perfect something, what does that usually imply? It went from flawed to flawless, right? Did Jesus go from flawed to flawless? So that doesn't fit here, right? It just doesn't fit. So what in the world does this word mean? Because that, that, that application doesn't work for us. Let's look at Acts 20, 24. We're going to see this same word. Acts 20, 24. Acts 20, 24. This is... Um, Let's see, this is, isn't this Paul? Is it, who is it? This is Luke speaking? Is Paul speaking? Yeah. Yeah, so this is Paul speaking. Yeah, okay. And what did I say it was? 20 what? Thank you. 2024, but none of these things move me. Now let's start in 22. Now see... See, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things which will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Can you pick out which word is teleosai? What? Finish finish. Okay. It's not really flawless, uh, flawed to flawless. It's incomplete to complete. Let's look at uh, John 4.34. John 4.34. John 4. 34, Jesus said to them, my food, this is, this is, uh, this is when they're, he's, he's telling them, uh, they're trying to get Jesus to eat. And he says, I have food to eat, which you don't know. Then the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him some, anything to eat? Verse 34, Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Again, finishes teleosai. Now, Jesus wasn't flawed trying to become flawless. Jesus was on a mission that was not yet finished. And He was dedicated to finish that mission. And what was the mission? Well, to suffer and die. But specifically here, that came about because of why? Right? He's looking for restoration. But what, what does he say? Do to do the will of Him who sent me. To finish His work. He gave me a job to do, and I want to finish it. Teleosai. Let's look at one more. 
John 19, 28. John chapter 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Teleosai, which word? Accomplished, yeah. Okay, I made it. It's done. I've finished the work God gave me to do. This is my job. I've completed it. Teleosai. Okay. The end is teleosai? Well, it's not. It's the, the noun form. The noun form. And even in this verse, when it says he's the captain, it's, the, it's another form of RK, which is beginning. So you have beginning and end even, really? even in this verse. Of, uh, well, you're talking now. Let's slow down a minute here. So Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2.10. So Brandon's saying in Hebrews 2.10, I'm, I'm repeating this so it goes on the recording, all right? Hebrews 2.10, that the captain of the salvation captain is Ark. RK, which, which is beginning. It's also leader. Yes. Okay? Leader, the, the first. Yes. Right? The first. So you can be the first in authority. You can be the first in time. Is that right? So you have the beginning and the end is the perfect, the teleosai. To be the, end, the beginning and the end. That's awesome. So he's the beginning of our salvation. He's the end of our salvation. He's the beginning of our salvation because through faith in him we get new birth. That's how all this becomes possible in the first place. We can't be restored without the new birth. But then he gives us the power to overcome death in experience. And the reward he wants to give us for completing that is to be a son. That's a reward. Not a child. Everybody's a child that's born. But a son is sharing his throne with him. This is a reward. And it's a reward for finishing. Now let's take a look at the context of Hebrews. <clears throat> Turn to chapter 10. And let me go back and kind of uh, review our, uh, our context here with this book. Because I want to bring this home to something very personal. The context of this book is the writer. I've proposed it's Paul. We don't know that for sure. We know it's somebody that was in the uh, close proximity with Timothy. But I'm just going to say Paul, even though it's not certain. Paul is writing to people very familiar to him. He speaks to them in very familiar terms. We know Paul is Jewish. We know that Paul never veered away from the customs of the fathers. He testifies at the end of his ministry when he goes to Jerusalem to the Jews there, I've never disobeyed the customs of our fathers. We know that he followed the law very meticulously, even while he was telling the Gentiles, you don't need to follow the law. This was exactly the formula that was established in Acts 15. 
In Acts 15, it was determined we're all saved by grace through faith, but the Jews are going to keep following the law because they're Jews and the Gentiles don't need to. They just need to stay away from pagan idolatry. We know when when, uh, Paul comes to Jerusalem, he meets with the elders, gives them a report of the word and the power of God being spread throughout all of the Gentiles. And they're happy. And then they say, everybody here is going to know you came. And they're going to want to know whether everything they've been hearing is true or not. And what they've been hearing is, you've been te- teaching the Jews out in the Gre- among the Greeks not to teach their children to obey the law of Moses or to be circumcised. And we know you would never do anything like that. We know that's a lie. Because we know you would certainly scrupulously obey the law in all its respects. So go pay for these guys' vow and shave your head yourself. Then everybody will know that's not true. And Paul does it. Because Paul was Jewish. And that's what Jews did. They went to the temple and did sacrifice. They followed the law. When James is speaking on behalf of the elders, he says... There's been many myriads of Jews who've believed that Jesus is the Messiah. And they are zealous for the law. This is what the Jews did. This is the context of this book. Very familiar. The new covenant was given to the Jews. Right, but we're actually grafted in to the Jewish nation. Well, yes, but He's actually going to go into that in great detail in chapter 9 and 10. All right. wait. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to wait. You can just go read it. In chapter 9 and 10, he's going to go into great detail. It's not that there's anything wrong with those things. It's that they're incomplete. And Jesus is a fulfillment of those things. You know, there's nothing wrong with reading the Bible. It's actually a good thing to do. But it doesn't replace God in our relationship with God. So you would compare that to Jesus' statement that I've come not to destroy the law or, or do it, but fulfill it. Fulfill it. Jesus is the fulfillment. The point of all this is going to be Jesus fulfilled all this stuff. And if you, it's, it's fine to perform these tasks. As a matter of fact, temple sacrifice is going to be reinstituted in the millennial kingdom. While Jesus is actually sitting on the throne, which is, seems weird to us, right? Why would you do that? It's a picture. It's just part of the worship. And the point is, what's it pointing to? You see, we tend to use a Bible study as a way of reforming our flesh sometimes, and it's not reformable. And what we're supposed to do is have it point us to Jesus. That's the whole point. And that, that, we're going to hear that over and over and over as we get through there. Don't get mixed up between religious observance and Jesus, the point of the observance. Okay? So, so here's the, so with, back to the context. We've got this author, people very familiar to him. They're Jews. They're getting this letter from him. He calls it a brief word of exhortation. And now we go to chapter 10, verse 32. Now, when we get to chapter 10, once you understand all this, uh, this, this message here, that what he's really talking about is 
this massive, amazing reward that starts now and culminates at the judgment seat of Christ and in the new earth is so unbelievably amazing that to miss out on it is just like throwing away your birthright to get a bowl of stew. Okay? And you can throw it away. And you do not want to do that. Okay? That's the point of this book. It's an exhortation to these guys. And in chapter 10, he really reams them. And he tells them, you know, our God's a consuming fire. You know, you don't mess around with this. But he, in the midst of this real challenging rebuke and exhortation, he says this, 1032. But recall the former days, my friends here, familiar. Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, okay, you understood Jesus is Messiah, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, how could a Jew that received Jesus as Messiah get reproach? What do we know about that? What happened to the apostles for believing in Jesus? Were they reproached? Severely, weren't they? The elders, the, I mean the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin called them in, told them, stop speaking in this name. They're in prison, beaten, martyred. And partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. Okay, You were yourself reproached and you stood by those who were reproached. For you had compassion on me and my chains. Here's Paul, he's in prison and these people are ministering to him. The ones getting this letter. And joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Okay? Joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Give me the image in your mind that you get when you, when you hear plundering of your goods. What picture do you have? Pirates. Pirates. What picture do you have? Boog, what do you have? Robbery. Robbery. You have someone coming in taking stuff out of your house? What, what else? What picture do you have? What do you have, Carl? Well, the way you're describing it, you're actually helping them. You're actually helping them, okay. Yeah, they're driving away your boat. They're taking away your car. Taxes. What's that? Taxes. taxes. That's why you think of taxes, plundering your good. You're a good boy. <laughs> yeah, they're... And, 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 and they're having their stuff all hauled, carted off, and what's their response? Yahoo! This is awesome. Why? Because you know you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Your confidence in what? Your goods in heaven. The promises. You've got the promises. They've been given to you. What do you have to do to possess them? You have to suffer. 
You have need of endurance. What do you need endurance for? To finish. What did Jesus do? He finished. He was teleosai. He completed the work that Jesus, I mean, that His Father gave Him to do. And because He completed the work, what did He get? An inheritance. A possession. What was that possession? What was that possession? Seated at the right hand of the Father. The Son. A name. A name above every name. To which of the angels has He said to me, has He said, sit here while I make all your enemies a footstool? So angels don't get that reward. Man. What is man that you care for him? What's the son of man that you think of him? God, this is amazing. Here's Lucifer who's powerful and wise and incredibly intelligent. And you're displacing him with these nursing infants, these babes, and putting them in your, his place to rule over all creation. You've crowned Him with glory and honor to rule over all creation. But now we don't see that happening. But we see Jesus, who for the suffering of death, tasted death for all men. And it was fitting for Him as the beginning, the first of our salvation, the captain of our salvation, of our restoration, to bring many sons to glory, to restore many of us back, through the suffering of death. And here's going to be the whole point of Hebrews. We've all been given a beginning. It's the new birth. The question is, will we finish and receive this reward or will we neglect it and throw it away? That's going to be the point of the whole book. And the question is, how are you going to address sufferings? You know, this world is tough. Your spouse won't understand you. Your kids won't understand you. Terry's, Terry's uh, down here kind of, no, no, not me. Your boss won't understand you. Your customers won't understand you. The government won't treat you right. The church won't go the way you want it to. Your friends won't do the, what they ought to do. You're going to get old and decrepit. Body's going to wear out. Can't do the things you used to be able to do. People don't understand you. Okay? Can, I, I, if I keep going, I'll start whining. Okay? It's just the way life is. And you can either embrace it and be joyful because it's part of finishing. It's part of being completed. And keep your confidence and say... No matter what you do, I will love. No matter what you do, I will trust. Or, you can walk the way of the flesh. You can put your confidence in religious stuff. You can set up a system to justify yourself. We've all done this. We've all done this. We all do it. It's natural. It's unnatural. It's really not natural. It's the way we were twisted 
But it's not the way we're supposed to be. Now we do not see man in the proper spot, but we see Jesus, who for the suffering of death was crowned with glory and honor. Paul says it this way in his letters to the Gentiles. He says, put, put to death the deeds of the flesh and walk in the Spirit. And as Bug said, as we walk in the Spirit, we will fulfill the law. Romans 8. It's really a pretty spectacular picture. And what we're going to get into as we go through here is all, example, all these examples of people who had the promise... And they didn't finish. And they lost the possession of the experience of the promise. And we're going to see examples of people who had the promise and never fully got the, 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 the uh, fulfillment of the promise and yet never let down. And because of that, they got a name. We're going to see example after example. Bad example, good example. Bad example, good example. All for us. It's going to be really spectacular. And the, the opportunity that we're given to follow in the steps of Jesus, the, the first and the last, and actually fulfilling His sufferings and being given the reward He was given or sharing the reward that He's given, it's really unbelievable. And that's the opportunity we have. Okay, got a minute or two. Brandon, you probably have at least two or three things you want to... Did I butcher anything on the Greek stuff? No. No butchering, okay. I asked that in an extreme way for a purpose. <laughs> anything you want to comment on? Anything else? That one comment was awesome. I don't, I don't have anything else. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else? God, thank you for uh, this amazing book where you say Jesus has, has inherited, has possessed this name through obedience and you're giving us the same path and want us to share in that name. How unbelievable is that? God, I pray that you just really help us widen our scope and see that this amazing dream to be really an eternal superhero in your kingdom is there for us by serving and obeying. What an amazing opportunity. And our goods here, Lord, the, the, even the earth will plunder them if somebody else doesn't. Rachel, help us just live with an open hand and joyfully accept that which doesn't go right in our life and embrace it as just one more thing in life that is setting us toward this goal of completion, fulfillment, maturity. Thanks for this amazing opportunity you've given us. I really look forward to it being over because then I can rest. But Lord, I also look forward to every day when it's an opportunity I'll never have again. And I pray that's what you'll help me focus on. I pray you help me focus on today. Everyone in here, Lord, help us learn today is the day when we can obey. In Jesus' name, amen.